0: The heavenly banquet where the hungry are filled with good things. This week's lesson comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, He called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he had laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he had said this, all his opponents were put to shame and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. This is the Word of the Lord. You've heard this and other stories of Jesus' healing on the Sabbath before. I know you have. And they all sound pretty ridiculous, as well they should. We know, instinctually even, That any objection to healing is absurd. Why would there ever be limits or constraints on curing the sick, on offering wholeness and health? How could there only be certain days when it was appropriate to literally ease someone's pain and suffering to provide for a better life? That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. And everyone knows it. What's more... First century Jews, the folks gathered at the synagogue in this story, would have known just as well that there was nothing in supposed Sabbath law prohibiting healing. This is not a story about Jesus teaching the Jews what their own scriptures say. That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. And that's anti-Semitic. 1st century Palestinian Jews knew that there was no conflict between the Sabbath's promise of rest and peace and bestowing the blessing of rest and peace upon others through healing. The Sabbath isn't for me. It's not for you. It's for us. The Sabbath isn't just about me getting my rest and peace. It's about inviting others into that rest and peace, creating the conditions in which they can enjoy rest and peace, and offering the means through which they can access rest and peace. The Sabbath is about a community at rest, at peace, because how in the world could I be at rest, could I be at peace, when I know that you're hurting, that you're suffering? That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. And everyone knows it. Certainly healing, alleviating pain and suffering, is a Sabbath gift then, not a contradiction. And what's more, again, the idea of Sabbath is connected to God's invitation to flourishing, abundant life. That invitation supersedes anything else, any supposed interpretation of God's word, because nothing matters, absolutely nothing else matters more than life, than living, than existing, If you come up with any constraints that limit or threaten the lives of others, well, you'd best believe that's nonsense, that's ridiculous, that's absurd, and everyone knows it. What's more, again, that invitation to flourishing, abundant life is always open because God's time is always now, not tomorrow or in a few days. When do you think the best time for healing is? Ask someone who is sick, who is suffering, when the best time is. What time would be good for you? When shall we schedule your healing? There's no time like now, I'll tell you what. If you're telling me that you have the means to make me well, to make me whole, and you're standing right in front of me, but you claim I have to make some appointment other than now? That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. And everyone knows it. Now, I wanted to move quickly through those common points because there's something else here in this text that is such nonsense, is so beyond ridiculous, is so unbelievably absurd that I think our brains almost shield us from it. Or maybe we choose to jump from this text into debating Sabbath law because that won't lead to the challenge the text actually poses for us. Let's look back at the narrative. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue when a woman appears, and this woman is suffering some sort of debilitating, crippling ailment, and she's had it for 18 years. Eighteen years. That's a long time. She's likely way past holding any hope that she might find some relief, and there are likely folks in that synagogue who have only ever known her as the crippled lady who walks bent over, nearly folded in on herself. Jesus sees her, calls her over, tells her she is healed, places hands on her, and heals her. She's immediately healed. She stands up straight and starts praising God. Can you even imagine such a scene, a miracle right before your eyes? And not just any miracle, the healing of the one who gave up hope for healing, the healing of the one everyone assumed would always just be that way. But she's healed. She's healed in front of everyone. It's an actual miracle right there in the synagogue. People are gathered together to hear about God and God's history with them and God's promises and God's mercy and love and might. And they get to not only hear those stories, but to see those promises actualized, both in the person of Jesus and in this miracle. It's exactly what they should expect. But it's still beyond all expectations. It's a miracle right there in the midst of the assembly. Can you even imagine what it could have been like to have seen such a thing, to have been there and to have witnessed such a thing? Can you even imagine what it could have been like to have seen the Lord of life heal this woman with a word, with a touch? There aren't enough superlatives to describe that experience. So can you even imagine... What it could have been like to have seen such a thing, this miracle in your midst, and to have responded not with awe or joy or wonder, but by noting that miracles weren't on the day's agenda. That's nonsense. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. And everyone knows it. Well, apparently everyone knows it but this one person, and this one person happens to be the leader of the synagogue. The leader of the synagogue is the one person who ought to know better, and yet it's the leader of the synagogue who jumps up, who interrupts this holy moment, who sees new life and hope and wonder and God at work, and who says, not today, y'all. Nope, not today. (laughs) We can't have that today. We aren't doing that today. There are rules, folks, and this this doesn't suit let's get back on track get back to why we're here that's not it no more of that not today now that's nonsense that's ridiculous that's absurd and everyone knows it look this argument about healing on the sabbath is a distraction there's no debate there And one reason that I think that even this leader of the synagogue knows that too, knows that using the Sabbath to object to this healing is a bad faith argument, is that this leader of the synagogue takes that argument to the crowd, to the assembly, and not to Jesus. The leader of the synagogue knows better than to go to Jesus with his nonsense, so he doesn't chastise Jesus for healing. He chastises the sick people for showing up sick. He chastises the sick people for showing up sick. Y'all, I'm almost embarrassed for him. But I'm more embarrassed for us because historically, traditionally, we have fallen for his nonsense. We have let the issue of Sabbath healing dominate our discussion of this story, dominate our preaching and teaching around this story, We've let that distraction be the story instead of focusing on this guy, this religious leader who witnessed a miracle, a miracle, right there in front of him. This religious leader witnessed a miracle and objected, saying, this isn't the time or place for that. That's not what we do here. It's a real shame that y'all sick people showed up here just egging God on, just expecting God to do the very things God has always promised to do. Y'all ought to know better than that. That's not what we do here. Now that, that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. And everyone knows it. Well, kind of. Because here with this man, this leader of the synagogue, here is a lesson for us. Here with this most nonsensical, most ridiculous, most absurd character is a lesson for us because it's here in this most nonsensical, most ridiculous, most absurd character that we're most likely to see ourselves. Now, I can hear you thinking, Charlotte. I would never, I would never be presented with a miracle, a miracle right here in church, no less. I would never witness a miracle and then say, Not today, y'all. Uh uh uh, that's not in the bulletin. Let's get back on our pews and back on track. Charlotte, I would never. And baby, I know, I know you wouldn't do that. But here's what I have seen I've seen a pastor tell me that we should end our monthly prayer service because too many people who weren't members were coming. And I've seen an elder tell me that we should stop our anti-racism work because it was making racists uncomfortable. And I've seen a trustee tell me that we should stop following up with visitors because the wrong kind of people kept joining the church. And I've seen a deacon tell me that we shouldn't expand our feeding ministries any further or else we'll be known as the church that does that kind of thing. And I've seen a session tell me that we should cancel our online programs because there were all sorts of people participating in those who weren't also sitting in the pews Sunday morning. I've seen God working. I've seen God working in the midst of our churches, and I've seen leaders object. Just like the leader of the synagogue in today's story, I've seen them witness the same miracles that I have witnessed and say, No, not today. That's not on the agenda. Let's shut down whatever that is and get back to the business at hand. And that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. And everyone knows it. And yet it keeps happening. I'm not entirely sure why that keeps happening. It seems like church leaders get so laser-focused on their own agenda and expectations that they aren't able to see or accommodate God's work in their midst. They have such defined or particular ideas of what success looks like in their context that when God shows up and does something even the slightest bit differently, they see that not as a miracle but as an anomaly, a distraction, a problem, a threat even. And I know how silly that sounds, but ultimately these church leaders find their power and authority challenged by God's power and authority in their midst. And rather than understand themselves as partners with God, partners in this work of kingdom building, church leaders find themselves in opposition to God's work. I know that's nonsense. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. And I have still seen it time and time again, and not only in my experience, it's a story that is written throughout the Gospels. Whether it's with the Sadducees or the Pharisees or the Scribes or the Sanhedrin or today's synagogue leader, Jesus is constantly in confrontations with religious authorities. These are people who should know better and who should absolutely recognize who he is, who should be the first to join his agenda, but throughout the Gospels it is the religious authorities that are most actively opposed to Jesus' teachings and mission. That should not be lost on any of us because we, you and I, whether we're leaders in the church or just regular old disciples, Christians here, we are religious authorities. And like the religious authorities in the Gospels, We are at a particular risk for getting it wrong, for wanting such a tight control of our own plans that we see God's intervention as a threat to our agenda, for being so locked into our own expectations of God's activity that we can't appreciate a miracle right in front of us. And so, yes, it's nonsense, it's ridiculous, it's absurd for anyone to shout an opposition to a healing, no matter the time or the place, and everyone knows it. And it's nonsense, it's ridiculous, it's absurd for anyone to challenge God's activity, to portray God's work as an inconvenience rather than a miracle, and everyone knows it. But I wanna make sure you know how very easy it is to fall into that trap, how very easy it is to be so focused on our own plans that we miss God's agenda, how very easy it is to confuse our own authority and power with God's will and to miss the way that God is enacting the divine will right in front of us. It is so shockingly easy to find yourself a champion of God's kingdom one moment and a critic of God's actual activity the next. It is so easy. Be on guard. Be on the lookout. Be careful that you aren't the one standing in God's way. Because that would truly be nonsense. That would truly be ridiculous. That would truly be absurd. And everyone knows it.